0: Would you and your men please follow me What the hell is this? There's no time to explain Please follow me Are you nuts? I said there's no time to explain This is an emergency Please follow me Now to episode two from The Movie Mug. I'm Steve Piggott. Well, we are now on iTunes. Yay! So there's going to be a link on the website www.themoviemug.co.uk. That's www.themoviemug.co.uk. Movie mug, all one word, uk, And to celebrate that, I'm going to be doing five shows this week. That's right, that's one a day for the rest of the week. This is number one, and there will be four more right the way up until Good Friday or Friday, uh, in uh, in this country at least. Um, so I realised last episode I kind of gave away the whole film. Yeah, that's right. I spoiled everything. I gave away how it ended and the lot. And, well, there will be spoilers. This is a kind of a review, kind of synopsis kind of uh, podcast. So there will be things in it that you know will spoil the film slightly, but I'm gonna try and keep them to a minimum. Uh yeah, I don't want to piss anybody off kind of thing. So um so there will be some bits and pieces I will relay, but uh, most of it will try and keep to a minimum, certainly how the film kind of basically ends anyway. So uh so sorry about that if you were really into watching the best of the best and didn't hadn't seen it before. But um these are old films as well, so I'm guessing kind of most people have probably already seen them. So, anyway, today's mug, well. Today's mug is a bit of a special one because uh, last week I admitted that I c- coffee's my like my favorite drink. So um today's coffee again, but this time it's Starbucks coffee. That's right, Starbucks coffee, and get this, it's in a Starbucks mug. Now, I didn't go to Starbucks to buy it. This is my own Starbucks mug that I've got that lives at home with me. And I got, the coffee I get is from a sachet that you can buy in any supermarket, Starbucks Via. Uh, it's pretty cheap and it's pretty good. It's not latte and something like that. It's just a standard Americano coffee, but uh, oh, it's lovely, lovely, lovely. So um, the Starbucks coffee is the uh, mug that I use today to just watch this film. So there you go, a little piece. Piece of heaven right there at home. Anybody can do it. So, I'm going to continue with films that I've recently rediscovered in my loft. Uh, yep, yeah, they're all on VHS. They're all old. They're all scratchy, jumpy, and quite poor quality because the tapes are uh, you know knocking on 20, 25 years old. But they're still watchable. Just anyway So uh, a little bit of tracking A little bit of playing around And they're, and they're fine But um, So they're all films that have been on uh, uh, They've all been up in my loft for some time Now I don't know when I first saw this film uh, This taped version has a BBC2 uh, header logo at the front um, So potentially And I'm saying potentially It could have been taped in the late 80s Maybe sort of 87, 88, 89 And potentially it could have been taped around the time that uh, one of my favourite shows, which was on at the time, which was, well, basically it was showing movies, but they had an introduction by a guy called Alex Cox, who had this programme called Movie Drome, And what it was, was basically, was Alex Cox, who's a director, writer-director, probably most famous for Repo Man, the um, 80s, I might have been late 70s actually, um, Emilio Estevez uh, film that he wrote and directed and I've actually just found out literally just a a day ago that he actually did a sequel to this just last year that's not actually seen the light of day anywhere that I'm aware of at the moment called Repo Chick but that's a different story anyway he had this program called Movie Drum and he would he would introduce the film and he would talk about the film so it's kind of like a little bit of a sort of like pre- pre trailer kind of thing to the film that was actually going to be shown. And they would all be not new films. They were, you know, I mean, back in the back in those kind of days, films would take, you know, three or four, maybe five, six years to actually come out on TV. I can remember... Getting the radio, or the TV time sort of around Christmas time, uh, you know, as a kid, and going through and seeing what was coming up, and there would all be films that would have been at the cinema six, seven years ago, but they'd just come on a TV, and it was a big deal. Not like that anymore, but um, that was what it was then. So potentially this could have been a movie, drone, um, a, a film that was being announced uh, or, or or shown, and that's where I got this from, and that might be where I kind of first saw this film, um, and where this tape version may have come from. But it's uh, it's called Capricorn One. It was released in 1978 and it's a dramatic thriller about a a mission to Mars that at the last minute, uh, the astronauts, literally I do mean at the last minute, the astronauts at the beginning of the film are sitting in their shuttle, they're doing all their checks, uh, everybody's outside as you would imagine them being outside with binoculars and waiting to see the shuttle being taken off. This is a mission to Mars that right at the last minute they get pulled out of the ship um, and the Mission has to be faked by uh, well by the agency the the space agency they 're never actually called NASA in this film, but it is NASA um, because the mission won 't work it simply won 't work there 's something wrong with the life support and there 's something that basically means that the mission the, the mission won 't su- won 't succeed so to save the millions maybe even uh, i think there's i think it's millions of dollars back they not billions of dollars millions of dollars that have been poured into this and obviously to save face of the agency and and potentially the government they decide to uh, fake the mars landing on the the actual ship takes off that that takes off for real and the astronauts are whisked away to a secret location, and they are then told the truth. They reluctantly agree. They're kind of forced into it a little bit. <clears throat> that they're going to do this. That they're, they're going to. That there's going to be an elaborate hoax uh, with only a few involved. Um, it the setup echoes sort of like a real life theoretical conspiracy that's sort of like been playing out for many many years, even in fact decades that you know the Americans never actually went to the moon. It was all a big conspiracy, all a big stage. You know everything was done on a sound stage. So it really echoes that, and I think that's where obviously the directors, uh, director and who who also wrote it, kind of got the idea from it in the first place uh, to do this. And it's um, and it's it's quite a fantastical proposition that you know, potentially could happen. Um, there's plenty of videos on YouTube real. Or not, you know, um, uh, about the um, about the Mars, uh, sorry, the the moon fake landings. So, if you want to watch, uh, have a look at those. Uh, I saw a documentary called um, Conspiracy Theory: Did We Really Land on the Moon, or something like that. Probably about ten, fifteen years ago, that uh, that got my mind thinking. But you know, I don't necessarily believe the true or not. But it, it's it's fun to see that. I mean, I'm a bit of a bit of a conspiracy theory fan, if I'm if I'm honest with myself. But um, obviously, that that sets up, and It's a similar proposition in this film, only it's with Mars this time. So. The everybody's on Earth, the, the families of the astronauts, uh, the technicians, the workers at mission control, they all think that you know the shuttle's taken off and they're on their way. Um, but these guys have been whisked away to a secret location, they're shown a set. That basically is going to be what they use when they actually allegedly land on Mars, and then those images are transported back, uh, are transmitted allegedly back from the back from Mars back to Earth, um, and a huge celebration and success of the fact that the Americans have got to Mars, but they haven't. They're still on it. They're still on Earth. They're somewhere in the Arizona desert. So when they do get when the when the ship allegedly arrives on Mars, then uh, you know there, there's obviously this studio as a Mars lander and 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 a, and a, and a, and a a landscape and they use that you know they, they they film it they fool everybody the fact that they think they're on Mars and everybody is seemingly buying it you know everybody there's no there's no issues that uh, that you can see from the film but there's one technician uh, who's a bit curious and believes that he runs some programs on his console and believes that there's a, there's a problem that it can't possibly be these these transmissions they're sending can't possibly be coming from Mars or from space they're coming from earth um, he kind of like gets shot down by superiors the guys who know what's going on as in oh no there must be something wrong with the equipment um, and he eventually tells a reporter who then starts to uh, you know, uh, reluctantly begin but then starts to sniff around and starts to unravel it a little bit uh, that's all well and good but then when the returning shuttle the, retur- the shuttle that's coming back from Mars actually burns up on re-entry <laughs> uh, into the Earth's atmosphere thereby Basically, killing the astronauts inside, even though they weren't in there, the three astronauts who have been locked away obviously realise that well, the only way that their secret can, that their secret can be kept is for them to be killed. Um, they can't lock them up forever, so they fear their lives and they escape the compound where they're held. They steal a plane, um, only for it to crash into the desert. They're basically somewhere out in the in the desert, Arizona desert, like I said, the Mojave desert, and it crashes in the desert. Then these three men who survived the crash, they go their separate ways with pretty much the flight suits on their back. You know, there's, they don't really have much else. What there is on the plane, they divide up amongst themselves, but they basically then got to make their way back across this harsh desert running for, a running for their lives and b to get back to civilization to unravel the whole thing um but of course the agency who hoax the entire thing they don't want their secret getting out uh they don't want this being re- uh, released to the, to the public so they're not all bad to let them simply walk away are they no <laughs> and that's where the fun of the film comes into it so um 1978 was released, so uh, directed and written by Peter Hyams, who he's done some of my favourite films. He not only did this, he did 2010, the sequel to 2001, which I think. Um, although technically not as good as Kubrick's original Still a standout film and well worth seeing If you're a fan of that kind of thing He also did a brilliant film called Running Scared And that might crop up in a future episode <laughs> uh, Which is a great cop-buddy comedy film from the uh, mid-80s He also did Out- Outland, another sci-fi film with Sean Connery Which is a really, really weird kind of film In terms of uh, uh, of its content But brilliantly put together I mean, it's talking about light years ahead of its time But he also did stay tuned, you know, with uh, with uh, um, whatever his name is, Ritter, Um, Justin Ritter, James Ritter, John Ritter. That's it, John Ritter, Um, which you know was a utter disaster. So um, yeah, so he's done some fantastic films back in the mid uh, seventies, mid eighties, but uh, he's also directed some real turds as well. So the three astronauts are played by James Brolin. Who plays Baker? And he's probably more famous for being Josh Brolin's dad um, And of course he's married to Barbara Streisand So for more than anything else these days That's what he's most famous for But he did quite a lot of good quality films In the sort of 70s and early 80s Not a lot these days Sam Waterston is one of the other astronauts, and he he mostly is related relegated to TV. That's what he does most. Easily, yeah. I mean, three hundred and sixty something episodes of Law and Order, I believe, is uh, is what he's actually uh, most famous for. Um, and the third astronaut is not o- is the one and only O.J. Simpson. That's right. O.J. Simpson is the third astronaut, and uh, and a damn good job he does of it as well. Eliot Gould plays the uh, reporter Robert Caulfield, who um, who's the one who unravels the conspiracy. Gets told the story. tries starts to unravel it, um, and uh, and he's instrumental in 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 the end of the film, at least. He late 70s kind of was his peak for a lot of films, MASH and stuff like this. Um, but he hit his stride again recently, done a lot of you know straight to D, D uh, video and TV work. But recently, he's, he was in the uh, the Oceans movies, uh, 12, 11, 12, and 13, played a good part in that. And of course, he's quite famous for being Ross and Monica's dad on Friends. So, Elliot Gould, good actor, really, really good actor. Hal Holbrook, Hal, Hal, Hal Halbrook, Halbrook, he plays the head of the space agency. And like I said, interestingly enough. Never actually referred to as NASA in this film, although it is NASA, you can tell it is, uh, and apparently NASA did help out in the making of this movie with all the tech stuff and whatever, but they're never actually referred to as NASA, it's always the agency to try and keep them a bit clean cut, I guess, but because uh, they are kind of like the villain, villain and the bad guy in this film. But um, Hal Holbrook plays the head of Space Agency. Um, Telly Savalas crops up in a little cameo as a crop duster. Kojak himself, um, which he filmed in just one day apparently. And it's, he, he, he's part of the, the big climax action sequence at the end which involves his... Crop dusting by a plane and a couple of helicopters in a kind of chase dogfight across the uh, Mojave Desert, um, yeah, which uh, yeah is brilliantly filmed, really well staged, and in my opinion is up there with the likes of you know Top Gun's dogfighting scenes, which are some of the best ever filmed. Um, so, uh, so some good actors, really, really good actors, great director, really smart script. It's really well directed as well. You know, it's it, there's some fantastic standout scenes in it. The initial setup with the um, with the astronauts getting into the ship at the beginning, everything looks like it's going to be uh, you know a successful launch. You've got everybody outside and they're uh, they're all waiting impatiently for the for the shuttle to take off. Everybody's getting ready in mission control, and then right at the last minute, the hatch opens and some guy says, "You've got to get out. You've got to come with me. There's good, there's a problem." Um, it, it, it's a brilliantly brilliantly filmed sequence it really really sets up the film really really well uh, Elliot Gould's character has a fantastic chase scene uh, uh, well not a chase scene but a car sequence car chase I guess it could be a car chase sequence car sequence whereby he, as he starts to unravel the truth a little bit he gets the brakes cut in his car and, and he he's, he's basically starts a full throttle out of control car sequence um, that uh, is, uh, is brilliantly brilliantly directed greatly staged and has been used many many times over in like, adverts and stuff like that you, when you see it, you'll be like, oh, I've seen that before, because it gets used. Um, and, as, of course, I've already mentioned the chasing over the desert with the planes and the helicopters, which is, uh, which is brilliant and involves one of the escaping astronauts basically hanging on to the wing of the plane towards the end of the sequence, which is uh, which is brilliant, really, really good stuff. So, intriguing premise... Uh, i'm I love a good conspiracy theory anyway um, i don 't just love the fact that it 's being picked apart. I love the fact that you know somebody is picking it apart um, there 's a little bit of entropy there and i 'm a bit of a fan of entropy. The setup is tantalizing it 's a great cast. everybody pulls their weight here. Uh, it could have been quite hokey, uh, especially the scenes with them on the fake Mars kind of like jumping around and all that but it 's done really really well and it's even even the astronauts the astronauts at one point jump off the ladder to get to the surface, and you expect it to be slow, but obviously it wouldn't be able to be slow because they haven't got the, the, the gravity um, facilities, That you know the lack of gravity facilities. So what the directors of the film that they're shooting, to actually fake it, they actually slow that sequence down. You see it played out, and it, and it works. It just really, really works. So it's not hokey at all. It really, really is. It's, it's a smart script, smart dialogue. Um, however, as good as it is, There's a couple of problems. Firstly, it's got a really, really bad ending. Really poor, crappy TV movie of the week. Uh, Reminding me for some reason of The Hulk. The way, I don't want to give it away, but really, really bad ending. Um, And frankly, it could have been much more interesting about what actually happens after the ending. What happens to the people involved? What happens to the agencies responsible? You know, how would the world react to uh, a God's honest hoax like this getting out as true, and I guess that kind of reflects on you know what would happen if the moon landing, the actual real life moon landing, actually turned out to be a hoax. What what would happen to to us, as society, to government, to what we thought about the way our world works? What would happen if the JFK assassination actually wasn't you know one guy, and it was actually turned out to be a conspiracy? What about the Twin Towers? What if that turns out to have not have been Al-Qaeda? You know, what if that actually turns out to have been? I'm not saying it was but what if it was? What if it was more than meets the eye? And I don't mean Transformers, but what if it was more than meets the eye? And that's that's where the real meat of the movie is, in my opinion. That's where it should have been. Re- that's where, at least, it's, some of it should have been explored um, or set up. But it kind of ends a bit crappily, in my opinion. And the the first sort of hour and fifty odd minutes, because it's nearly a two hour film, is is really really good. And the last ten minutes kind of really lets it down for me. But we're um, saying that I think this is a film that is begging to be remade as well. And possibly in a remake, they could. I mean, it's already great source material. It's, it's a fantastic premise. They could add in. Some of that fallout, you know, some of those what if statements actually realized, you know, potentially that that could be put in there, Um, even if it's only like an epilogue um, uh, at the end, you know, kind of like a a 10, 15 minutes and then then it cuts it short kind of thing. I I don't know. You know, there's there's ways to which to do it. Um, Hey. Josh Brolin could even play the part his dad played. You know, he could really really turn it around. But but um, I think it's a film that's begging to be remade, um, bring it up to date, state of the art effects. Although most there's not a lot of space stuff in it. It's it's all set on the, all set on the ground, so it's not really. uh, You don't really see a great deal of uh, uh, space stuff and whatever. You know, sort of like in the the stars. It's uh, it's all on the it's all on Earth, so it doesn't have to be state of the art. But you could really really update the material and bring it up to speed because you know the the Mars landing, the Mars. The idea of going to Mars back in the late 70s was only, what, 17, 18 years after we actually did land on the moon and not long after the Apollo missions finished. I think they, I think the Apollo missions finished in like about 74, 75, something like that. I need to check that. So it was only a few years after they stopped doing that. But we haven't done anything like that as a as a, as a human as a, as a race for what twenty nearly thirty years kind of thing. So you know it's more likely that we would be ended up going to Mars now. And so you know I think that there could be something that they could do with that and make the premise really interesting. But uh, but there you go. But uh, Capricorn One, great little film uh, does have its issues, no doubt about that. But you know for a film which is 34, thirty four, thirty thirty three, thirty four years old, thirty three years old. I think it still hands stands up really, really well. It's still a really good entertaining watch. It has like I said, great actors, great director, great cast, really really smart dialogue. it's, uh, it's one that needs to be watched and watched again um, to really under- to really take it all on board and it's uh, well worth seeing. so that is this well that is today's movie mug. <laughs>